episode of Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos, and I work anywhere I want, as long as there's Wi-Fi. Thank you for your patience as I publish new episodes. Uh, a couple big developments have happened in my life. Uh, first of all, we moved from the West Coast back home to the East Coast. And uh, yeah, uh, I just got married. And I'm really excited uh, about this new chapter of uh, life. And I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Uh, 2020 has been an eventful year. So I'm actually looking looking forward to making new memories. Um, again, uh, I'm sure that this has been a, a traumatic experience for a lot of us. So, you know, sprinkling these positive memories and these positive uh, occurrences over the year uh, have certainly helped me. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to this new adventure. And in this episode, I spoke with my good friend, uh, Ismael Bardusco. He goes by Ish. And Ish, uh, you know him from episode eight, uh, Life at LinkedIn. Uh, he's a, again, he's a social media marketing expert. And he actually uh, left LinkedIn, went over to, went back home to Southern California to work at Snapchat for a while. He was there for uh, a year and, and change. And he just uh, joined a startup as a director of growth uh, called Crave It. And Crave-It is uh, an app that to help you fulfill all of your food needs. So making dishes, ordering, uh, and again, you know, it, it, wants to, it wants to be uh, this intersection of all your food needs. Uh, so check it out. Go to Crave-It, uh, Google it, sign up for the, the waiting list that they have in the app. And... Uh, Again, you know, my friend Ish, he's actually the most intense person I know. Uh, again, he comes from a humble background uh, growing up in, in Southern California. And uh, something that stuck with me was the fact that by the time he was in high school, his family had moved 12 times in search of better opportunities. And 12 times. So, so think about that for, for a second. Uh, by high school. And, uh, you know, when it comes to his journey in tech, uh, you know, Ish had the opportunity go to go to college at the University of California, Merced, which is uh, it's a smaller school. I believe it's the, the, uh, the newest university of the, you know, the newest campus of the University of California. And it wasn't until after he graduated that he realized that, hey, I need to hustle to look for opportunities. I need to network. I need to ask for referrals. And that's how he found his first job in, in LinkedIn. And uh, he tells us the whole story in episode eight of Latinos Who Tech. And now, uh, again, as I said, uh, Ish, he's very intense. He's very systematic. And he's the kind of person that, again, he sees a, a challenge. Uh, like, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, he reads something that, oh, yeah, waking up at five in the morning to work out and to start your day right is uh, good for you and he will do it he will experiment with it he will wake up at 5 a.m for 30 days straight and then write uh, blogs about his experience so i always see him as like the the latino team ferris if you will um something really interesting about this uh, this intersection right of career development and being latino hispanic latinx 
is the fact that a lot of the advice that we get it comes from again, people that don't look like us you know you have folks like uh like tim ferris you have folks like uh, uh tony robbins you have folks that and they, they don't look like us so it's always fresh to me like it's always refreshing to actually see somebody that's latino and, and is doing great things like like ish and ish he's a you know not only director at crave it this, this startup now he's also an author he wrote a book called uh, getting ish done he has a podcast where he interviews latinos in tech uh, that he actually launched right after coming here to, to this show. So that's uh, that was really exciting. I'm really, really happy that uh, he had a good, a positive experience and it was such a positive experience that he decided to launch his own show. So I'm really, really, really proud to, again, if I had like 1% uh, to do with that, I'm super proud about that. And uh, so in this episode, we spoke about the process of writing a book uh, how he's coping up with the pandemic and uh, also again systems that he has to be productive and to get ish done so check out his podcast check out his book i realized that this episode was recorded uh, earlier in 2020 so some of the reference might not be as uh, timely and again i'm committed to add value to you so i'm gonna do a a giveaway of the book on the Latinos Who Tech Instagram. So if you go to the Latinos Who Tech Instagram and what you do is that you take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast and you share it and tag Latinos Who Tech, I will send you a copy of the book uh, via uh, Amazon. So I'll buy a copy of the book for Kindle and I will send it to you. Now, I will only do this for the first five people that do it. So keep that in mind. So you know you gotta act, and you'll get a free book, and not only a free book, but a great book that's gonna teach you some of the frameworks that uh, Ish has learned along the way. You know, interviewing folks that work in tech, and also in looking up to role models that that we have in this world. So go to Latinos Who Tech Instagram, follow us, uh, take a screenshot of you listening to this episode, do it now, and share it, tag it, tag uh, Latinos Who Tech, and I will get a copy to the first five people that do that. Uh, now, before we start the, the, the actual conversation with uh, Ismael, I'm actually very happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by Shep, uh, Leading Hispanics in STEM. So Shep, as we know, is Society Hispanic Professional Engineers, and they have a new brand. So it's Shep Leading Hispanics in STEM. And October means one thing, uh, besides Halloween, October also means Shep Conference is around the corner. So you often heard me talk about Shep and how it's helped me become the professional I am today, not only by bringing me this network of Hispanics in STEM, but also hosting workshops uh, on networking, uh, again, practicing your elevator pitch, uh, learning about, again, innovation from different companies. Again, Boeing, Lockheed, Texas Instruments, Intel, Google, Facebook, all these companies, they go to the Shep convention uh, every year and they recruit talent. So professionals, students looking for internships, and even if, if you're not in the market, 
but again 2020 has been a, a rough year for a lot of people so i'm sure that a, a lot of you are, are in the market it's a great way to land uh, an internship or a full-time job because again uh, there's 250 plus companies uh, that go to recruit at the convention and the convention this year is going to be fully virtual it's going to be happening october 26th through the 31st and you're going to be there with uh, thousands of professionals that want to network that want to grow uh, along with you and it's going to be fully online and you can sign up going to shep.org slash 2020 so that's shep.org slash 2020 and uh, i believe that the convention this year it cost uh, 200 dollars. and granted i know that for some of you that might seem a, a bit steep but the way that i look at it is that hey if you land a year if you land the if you land the, a job an opportunity that's going to pay you a hundred a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year for example two hundred dollars is change right so it's uh, it's one of those things that you need to look at the at the equation here uh right you're not guaranteed a job but if you don't go and interview with companies you're never gonna find out if you're gonna get a, a job or not so again i go even when i'm not looking for a job i actually i would go to the chef convention because they offer workshops on career development on actually they have an entrepreneur's track so if you're launching your own company you're launching your own business they have workshops on demand uh, and live workshops as well about that uh, again if you're a student if you're new to the workforce they have uh, things like resume reviews so you can actually get your your resume reviewed by professionals that work at the companies you want to work on and the way that it usually works, uh, and again, if you're familiar with SHEP, if you've been to the national convention before, is that you actually go to, you know, one of the live workshops from the companies you, you're following. So think, let's say that you go to the Texas Instruments workshop and they talk about their new uh, SOC technology. And you see the presenter, the speaker, and you see the other Texas Instruments folks that go attend the the workshop along with the students and other professionals and what happens is that you see their names and then you go to the virtual career booth and you will see them again so if you ask questions if you participate if you actually uh, they'll recognize you so it's a great way to not only be involved but also get your name out there um, and what happens is that sometimes I go to a workshop from a company that, again, it's probably not a, not um, you know, it's not in my focus area. Like I will go to a workshop by a automotive company because I like what they talk about. Maybe it sounds interesting to me. Maybe they talk about lean manufacturing. And I will connect with the speaker, add them in LinkedIn, start building a relationship. And next thing you know, I probably have a new podcast guest that I can bring to you and they can add value to you. So again, the Shep National Convention is my, my favorite time of the year. Uh, I actually have friends that I only get to see at the National Convention. This year is gonna be virtual. So again, we'll make the, the best out of it because uh, the way that I see it, again, 2020, it's been, uh, you know, it's been an eventful year. 
for, for all of us. So anything that helps tie me back to my community, to the people I care about, I welcome. So check it out, uh, shep.org 2020. You're still in time to register. It's going to be between October 26th and 31st of um, 2020. So check it out. And uh, here we go now. Uh, the full conversation with Ish Perdusco from Getting Ish Done. Thank you. Ish Perdusco, welcome to Latinos Who Tech. I'm so excited to be back, man. It's great to see you in the fresh haircut, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Rona haircuts. They're, they're all the, they're in fashion right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, thank you for taking, making the time, man. Um, I'm glad that I caught you at home. Uh, thank you. Thank you, bro. <laughs> not much else I could do. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. So what's in your mind? What, what's keeping you sane nowadays? The, the book is really top of mind. Family is really top of mind as well. Trying to see them as much as possible while being cautious in terms of everything that's going on in the world. And then another thing that's top of mind is like a lot of my friends. I feel like a lot of my friends are going through a really tough time right now. So just trying to be there for them, being supportive, being a good ally, and, and just keeping in tune with the world without being too in tune. So like without watching too much news, without getting caught up with all the craziness, while still being educated in terms of what's going on, if that makes sense. I hear you, especially working in social media, right? And yeah. uh, I'm sure that tuning out some stuff can be difficult at times. So. Yeah. Do you have any like social media habits? Like you track how much time you spend in Instagram, LinkedIn, we have like social media blocker. Do you any of that? It's, be, it's been built intuition. So throughout the entire last eight months of writing the book, I built a really good habit and ritual of only using social media for to consume content from certain people. So if I'm going to social media, I'm going to go to a certain page or check in on a certain friend or post to share out content. But when then LinkedIn, I would go like on a daily basis regularly throughout the day, but it's mostly with the intent of sharing content or finding good content to reshare. So I got out of the, the social media endless loop where you just endlessly scroll just because I didn't have enough time. Like I, I literally was like writing a book, juggling a, a full-time job, trying to work out, sleep seven and a half hours a night. So I figured social media was one of the things that either had to be cut or had to be limited. And then it just built it into a habit. And now I'm getting a little bit better at it. That's awesome. And something I really enjoyed you following you on Instagram was this uh, 300 workout challenge, like 300 <laughs> workouts in uh, 2020. So what was that about? Yeah, man. So uh, fitness has always been a really big thing in my life. I've always tried to stay on top of my like workout game and, and work out a couple of days a week at least since I was, I don't know, in high school. And then at, towards the end of last year, I started thinking like, man, I wonder how many workouts I hit this year. And I tried to count, but I, I couldn't really like put a number on it. Like it was a re really rough number. So then I started thinking like, man, it would be pretty cool if I did like, I don't know, 250 workouts next year. And I would, and I would track them. And I was like, ah, 250, that's kind of a whack number. I think that averages out to like five or something like that. Like what would be really challenging? What would be a really up there goal that I could do? And I was like, 300 would be really crazy 300 workouts in 365 days i was like okay so let, let, let's see if i could do it and then i put it out into my social media like my network and my, my audience and a ton of people were like wow i want to do this with you like i want to push myself and challenge myself and fast forward to, to now like we're ending may and i have 95 people who are doing it with me and we're all in instagram groups motivating each other inspiring each other sharing our workouts 
and tracking them, holding each other accountable, which is pretty awesome. And I think I'm at like 140 or something for the year, which is probably a lot more than I would have done if I wasn't tracking them. Definitely. And, and I find that everybody has their own style, right? The, mm -hmm. There's people that can just motivate themselves and they say, I will do this and they'll do it. But there's some other people like me, like I do need to have that external uh, motivation, right? Like I need yep. to, it helps me if I put it out there. Yep. If I say mm -hmm. that, oh, I will release this episode on Saturday. I'm like, just like that. I'm literally just like that. That's why I had to put it out there. It's like hold myself accountable by people who know me and will check me if, I, if I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that uh, I like to, I'm sure that there's a psychological term for that, but I, I like to call it a positive peer pressure. The, uh, again, this, this idea that, hey, you have this accountability uh, partner and, and it's informal. Like it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. a coach. It doesn't have to be like a mentor or somebody yep. like, you know, it's just a friend, an acquaintance that you say that you put it out there and, hey, if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You go back to the four agreements, right? Like be impeccable with your words. Do follow through on the things that you say you will do. Mm -hmm. Walk me through the, the book. So the writing process. I mean, because you have your full-time tech job at yeah. the Snapchat. And I'm wondering, how are you carving out the hours to, to write this? Well, first yeah, of all, man. I mean, we can start maybe with like, what's the book about? And then yeah. what's the process the, of writing while having a full-time job? Yep. Great questions. So the book is essentially a seven-step framework to achieve your goals. And I know when people hear that, they're probably like, great, another book to achieve goals. Like there's thousands of these books. And somebody recently asked me on LinkedIn when I posted about it, they said, what makes like, like no offense, but I, I'm really curious, what makes your book different from the thousands of other self-help books out there? And then I responded with, uh, well, to be completely honest, it's the audience that makes it different. Like I wrote this book with a different audience in mind. So the primary audience and anybody that picks up the book will, will gain knowledge from it and gain a ton of insights and learnings. But I wrote it for an underrepresented group that isn't usually top of mind. I'm, I'm talking about like the Latinos, I'm talking about black, I'm talking about Asian American, like, like these groups that when you think of the self-help and self-development industry, there isn't a ton of representation of those types of people at the author level, at the, at the level that are creating content. So that translates when, when you read the content because a lot of the examples and the references and the, and the language doesn't always like hit home if that, if you will, like you're going to learn a ton of value from Tim Ferriss book or Ryan holiday book, but it's a little bit different if the person who wrote it comes from a similar background as you do. And they drop in a couple of references that you get and you understand and they're like jokes or humor. So that's kind of like, I guess what the book is and who it's for the writing process itself was insane. It's by far the, the most difficult thing that I've ever done. And, and that I've done a lot of like really big projects and crazy things in my life. Dude, um, you're, you're, you're an intense guy. <laughs> uh, like, like you don't do things halfway. It's like, I think like you read that book, the, the 5 a.m. miracle. And, oh, then, yeah. you, and, and then you Five realize that, uh, yeah. And then you said, oh yeah, I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. every day. And then you would actually document the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, dude, what the, what the hell? It, it's like, it's like uh, well, I'm happy that Ish is my friend because if he was my enemy, I mean, he won already. Like, <laughs> oh. No, no, you're a pretty intense guy in that sense, like uh, following through and, and, and doing the goal setting, the, the, the execution part of things. Yeah, man. But it was difficult. It, like, it was extremely difficult. I, and I will, I will, I'll start by saying that I didn't plan on writing a book to begin with. 
Okay. This journey kind of started a few years ago before you and I even met. And I, I read a book called Smart Cuts by Shane Snow, one of my favorite books. I highly recommend it to everybody. Prior to reading that book, I wasn't a reader and I wasn't a writer. And when I say I wasn't a reader, I mean like in high school, I read because I was forced to, not because I liked, liked to do. In college, I didn't really read the books as much as I probably should have. I still passed my classes, a ton of extra credit in office hours. But like I, I've never been one to, to be attracted to reading. But that book, for some reason, changed my mindset in terms of like, wow, there's knowledge out there through the form of books that I'm not getting through the form of blogs or social media. And so after reading that book, I went down a rabbit hole of just like, like learning, learning, learning. I read like 45 books last year, all like self-development and like self-improvement. Like I, I'm a huge podcast fan. So like two hours of podcast a day listening to like Short Story Long, Tom Bilyeu, Tim Ferriss, just like podcast after podcast after podcast. And then it got to a point one day when I was driving down to see my sister in San Diego, we were just going to have like a lunch date. And I was listening to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And something in that book just made me click in my head, made it click in my head. Like you are being selfish by not sharing what you're learning. That's kind of like what, it, what I told myself. Like I'm being selfish by not sharing the things that I'm learning with, with my community and people that I know that can gain value from it. And so continuing to drive down the five, I started thinking like, well, how would I share this? I'm not a good writer. So books out the picture. Maybe I could do a vlog series. Like, yeah, my personality is okay, but I don't think I'm the best on camera. So maybe not vlog series. And then I was like, okay, I could do a blogs. Blogs are shorter, easier to write. I could do a bunch of them, put them out weekly. And then I started to think like, how many, how many blogs in my life have I read that I truly embody and embrace the key takeaways? Like you read a ton of interesting blogs and you like write them down. And you're like, wow, that's interesting. You remember that fact or you implement that strategy. And then I started thinking out of the 45 books or all these books that I've been reading, how many of them do I implement the core message that they're trying to, to share? And all, nearly all of them, starting with smart cuts, like the, the way his platform thinking, I use that in my career three different times to transition my career. I use that in teaching. I use it in events. I use it in podcasts, everything. So then I was like, it has to be a book. Like there's no other option. And then that's when the writing process began. I hired an editor to help me and coach me throughout the entire process. I hired a designer to help me with the graphics and the infographics and all of that. So it, it just got more and more intense. And throughout the, throughout the process, it became more and more difficult. Right. But yeah. Yeah, but that's how you're serious, right? When you start hiring people, when you start opening up, opening up your wallet and hiring people, and you know, put your money, where you, put your money where your mouth is. You don't want to waste your money. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the ultimate uh, that's the ultimate uh, accountability partner, right? Like that yeah. you hire an, an editor that's gonna help you yeah. um, with the, with the with the content. So great. So you're getting all this knowledge from your life experiences from networking from mentors mm -hmm. from people you've interviewed at your podcast check it out but again how are you seeking uh, feedback so when you're outlining a chapter and yep. and again like i'm sure that we've all experienced that nerve-wracking part of okay let me show uh, my boss what i've done or yep. let me show this director this vp the social media campaign i have in mind uh, so there's this always this fear of seeking feedback that mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people experience. So I'm curious on how do you seek feedback and then how do you cope with those uh, feelings of anxiety or jitters that people get yeah. seeking feedback? 
I have an interesting relationship with feedback because a couple of, like you said, a couple of years ago, when I first started working in tech, I was extremely scared to receive it. And then somebody, I went to a speaker series one day and somebody was like, Hey, if you think about feedback as like it being a gift versus it being like a scary thing, then you can use every single time somebody gives you a piece of feedback to get better. And that literally just changed my frame of mind. So like after that point, back in like 2015, moving forward, I would, all my bosses, I would ask them for feedback continuously and like, genuinely absorb whatever they were saying and implement it. So in terms of writing the book, I, it was like two, two part, two part feedback uh, strategy. One was continuous. So I was continuously using my network, posting on Instagram, posting on Twitter, posting on LinkedIn and like, like fighting for fighting for ideas and fighting for things in terms of like putting something out there that was from the book that I was might include and seeing if people engaged with it or asking my, my group of friends via text or Instagram groups and just saying like, hey, what do you all think about this? So that was like a continuous loop always throughout the entire time of writing it. The second part was directly asking specific people for feedback and, the, and each person with specific questions. So in terms of the target audience for the book, I wrote it for mainly, I mean, anybody was gonna gain value, but mainly 18 to 35 year olds from underrepresented groups. Whether, that, whether you're the first generation college student, black, Latino, et cetera, I, I wrote it with, with them in mind. So what I did is basically I picked 10 different people within that age group. And then as I was writing, I would shoot them ideas or I would shoot them the outline or I would shoot them main key points from the book and key messages and I would constantly get their feedback. Then there was a second, the sec, within that, there was like a second, like other 10 people. And those are people that may not fall within that target audience but are really good writers and really good at content creation and really good people when it comes to like developing ideas. And so that second group of people were essentially my coaches, my mentors. So I would lean on them in terms of like, yo, what do you think about this? Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like I have three friends, I mean, basically mentors who wrote, wrote, who've written books in the past. And I had regular meetings with them throughout the process of writing it. And I would check in with them. Hey, here's the latest draft. Here's the latest draft. What do you think about this? I have a question here. And they would give me direct feedback knowing that it's like coming from a good place. And then I would iterate based off everything and, and almost like compiling it, but without taking one piece of feedback too literally, because knowing that there's a whole different um, audience or segment that, that is going to influence another, another piece of the book as well. And then I had to add my flavor in as well. So I'm not going to take everybody's feedback and implement it all because then it doesn't become what I, what I want for the book. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you do have your voice and your yeah, style. Exactly. And, uh, and then feedback is to help make you stronger. Exactly. But it's ultimately you that are, that are doing the writing. So that's, uh, that's really, really interesting. And I think that uh, I think that's genius. You know, the idea of, well, I have, I'm writing with this person in mind. Let me ask them what do they think like is this relatable right exactly and i find that that feedback a lot a lot of it you can use it in certain situations right like like writing would be tricky right because are you emailing them like a copy of the chapter are you or are you asking them ideas via social how, how are you seeking that feedback like, everything. Tactically? everything everything man like everything from instagram message like hey here's uh here's an idea for the book what here's an idea for a main theme for a chapter within the book. Does this make sense to you? If you read this without reading anything else in the book, does it make sense? And I would like kind of get like bites of feedback there for other people. I would send them the entire copy of the book. Like as soon as I had a first draft, 
maybe like two months ago and I went through, I went through six total drafts. So it was three rough drafts and three final drafts. And now I have the final final, which we just uploaded like yesterday. But the, when I, once I had the first draft, I was just, just like sending it to that same group of people and just like asking very specific questions. So I would ask like three different questions. One of the questions was around, what did you gain? What did you gain from this book? What's the one key message that you got from it? And then the second question was like, if you had to cut out 20% of the book, what would it be? And the last thing would be like, do you have any overall themes, like thematic feedback that you would give me in terms of like the writing, the style, the language? And then I was like, I'm open to any other feedback as well, but I just need those three questions at least mm -hmm. because then it allows you to like, to see the data over uh, like a, a larger group versus just one that could be an outlier. Got it. Got it. And, and as far as shaping the ideas, are you, I mean, are you, are you keeping this all in like Google Docs or are you doing anything fancier than that? Like, uh... yeah, man, it was a Google, it was a really long Google Doc. I mean, it was the first, <laughs> the first, the, I first, love it, man. the first draft, the, when it, before I hired my editor, I had a 50 page Google Doc of a brain dump. And the first two pages was an outline. So it was just like, hey, here's the, here's the title of the book that I'm thinking, here's the theme, here's the target audience, here are some audience personas here's who those people could potentially be here's what they do in their life here's the way they speak their interests their age their their employer like like fake ones obviously but like mm -hmm. i wanted to really get a grasp around like who's it that we're speaking to and then i included like the chapter outlines here's what i'm thinking here are the sub chapters because i didn't I had done all the research already so then it was just like compiling it all together which was the hard part and then my editor also helped me in terms of like i would move this thing around here because when you're reading a book, it's going to make sense to absorb that because it's going to impact later on in the book. So they helped, but it was just a really long Google Doc, honestly. And then we worked through that and started building out each individual chapter one by one. I guess you, you'd probably be interested to know like the writing process itself. So mm -hmm. once we started working together, I gave him about a week and a half, two weeks to just read everything that I had gone through. And then he started to pick at different things. After he picked out everything, he sent it back to me. I sent it back to him. And then moving from that point, moving forward over the next, I don't know, five or six months, it was like every other week we would sync and he would send over a new version of the book. I would send it back to him. Mm -hmm. So he, when he would send it over to me, it was like, dig in here, more context here. What does this mean? I would send it back to him with all of that information, but with more questions. There was a lot of red ink in a, in a, word, in a word document. And then, yeah, and then once we started forming each chapter, again back and forth there's nine chapters in total so it took at least nine weeks to go back and forth and ensure each one was crystal clear and then once they were nice. all done it was like a couple of weeks of just me sitting down with two cups of coffee for 12 hours and reading the book front to back as many times as i could and then again the following weekend on a saturday and sunday reading it again front to back making sure it's good yeah i, th I think you're you're catching up on all the reading that you didn't do back in middle yeah. school high school <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're paying for it now <laughs> i've probably read my book at least like 30 or 40 times so yeah I've, i've i'm paying for it now yeah man well it's your baby right so it's uh no i'm definitely proud of you man and and i think that we need we need to celebrate these achievements from our friends and they don't have to be books you know but blogs podcasts like subscribe share like I mean, you're helping, right? Like yeah. the idea is that we are all helping each other as a, as a community, man. Yeah, thank um, you. And I really enjoy the fact that it's all like a Google Doc and Word. Because <laughs> if I, again, because I'm a, I'm a big productivity geek and yeah. I go into these forums, man, and people are have like 
30 common threads arguing on, oh, Ulysses is the best software to write. No, I use Scrivener because, uh, dude, just, just write. Yeah, just write. <laughs> just especially, write. If, especially if you're, like, my strength is in editing. That's why I hired an editor. But yeah. I still use softwares like Grammarly to, to check my stuff. But in terms mm -hmm. of, like, writing, he was just like, just start writing, man. He's like, put it all on paper. Put all your thoughts on paper. Once you have it there, we can work and build it all out. He's like, let me do the heavy lifting in terms of editing and making sure the storyline is makes sense. He's like, but for you, just write, put it in a doc, put it in a note, put it in a notebook. I literally have a piece of paper, piece of paper. So like, yep. when I bought this book, all yep. of this yeah. was like, he, he, yep, huge fan like, of these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man, it's crazy. I never used to be a person of like physical notebooks. This is probably the first one that I've consistently written in, in my entire life. And then something about writing on on paper it makes your it, it it helps your ideas come together in a mm -hmm. weird way. So like the first ten pages of the thing are all marketing ideas, and it's like funnel, promo funnel, paid source, all this identity groups, media outlets. I I wouldn't have been able to like put my ideas together this this well if it was in a if it was in like in an online doc. I hear you. I hear you because uh, the thing is that if you start writing down in a computer, the thing is that your email is right there. And yep. Slack's right Facebook, there. Facebook's right there. LinkedIn's the, right there. Twitter's right and, there. And, and, and then that, oh, let, let me just check quick my LinkedIn. And then I have five messages. And two of them are people that want to come to the podcast. And two are recruiters. And one is a friend catching up. And it's like, <laughs> and next thing, you, you, next thing you're spending the next 45 minutes, like yep. just doing stuff. Yeah, no, pen and paper. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I actually, I actually got this. I'm playing with this thing. It's called the, it's called the, the rocket book. Oh, nice. And, and what it is, is that it's, you can actually take a, like, you can actually wipe it clean after you write it. So it's like a, it's not a digital one though, right? That no, no, no. It's, it's completely analog. But the thing is that, and then it's going to be funny looking with the background. The thing is it has a QR codes. QR code. Okay. So you can actually scan it on Evernote and file it. You can That's program awesome. it to do stuff like, oh yeah, upload it straight to my Google Docs. That's cool. Or, so so it's it's nice in the sense that I don't have to, oh, where did I put those notes? Like, no, I, I just scan it at the end of the day and I'm done. You know? Yeah, I really like that. That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, tech is supposed to be helping us, right? So, <laughs> so awesome, man. So switching gears a little bit, I'm curious about, I look at you like as my, not only my friend, but also my, my, my social media mentor somebody <laughs> i look up to and and i'm wondering with what's happening with corona virus and everybody's at home either cooking bread or doing workouts via instagram live or people are launching projects right people are starting youtube channels and mm -hmm. again i have a friend that uh, she's actually doing mindfulness classes online uh, mm -hmm. so it's it's awesome to see people reinventing themselves uh, in what they do I'm wondering if you have like some common mistakes that you see on people that are starting out in social yeah. and maybe how to avoid them, like some common mistakes that, that you see people doing uh, from your perspective. Yeah, probably the most common mistake and especially around for people that are like developing a product or service is not aligning your brand properly with, with, the, with the key message and, and the voice and tone in terms of how you're sharing out content. So the way that the way that plays into like the real world is like, I am a I'm a big like health person, right? Like I'm big on on working out and fitness and stuff. So 
by promoting a product and creating a product that is directly against all of that just to make a quick buck or just to like get that sponsorship i've been seeing a lot of people do that on social media lately and and it it, it rubs like it rubs me the weird wrong way so i guess if, if that's if you're building a product or service but another common mistake is people using all social platforms the same so in terms of like copying and pasting from linkedin and twitter and facebook and just posting the exact same thing i think one of the one of the fascinating things about each different platform is people use them differently and they have a different mindset when they go to each different platform. When I'm on LinkedIn, I have a different mindset than when I'm on Twitter. When I'm on Twitter, I have a different mindset than when I'm on Instagram. So putting yourself in the mindset of your, your user or your, your audience and figuring out if you're going to use the same piece of content, it's fine, but how do you morph it differently? So I, I do this all the time. I might post a, a long form social media post on LinkedIn with my top takeaways on XYZ. And then on Instagram, I might post a photo of me doing it with just one line. And then on Twitter, I might do a thread and say like, hey, everybody just want to share my top 10 takeaways for X, Y, Z. Here's a thread. Boom, 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 boom. Versus just copying and pasting on each platform. On Facebook, it might be a poll or something. So I think one of the, one of the biggest things you could do is just figure it out. What content do you have? What's the most interesting way to show it? And how can you make it native for each platform? Got it. Uh, no, that's incredibly helpful. Something that I, I'm not sure if you, if you enjoy that kind of content, but something that I really enjoy are medium articles and things like, like testimonials in a way, but not mm -hmm. quite. For example, somebody that, that, that wrote something, uh, I tried to get an, I, th I tried to get an antibodies coronavirus test. This was my experience. Yeah. And they walk you through like the whole thing, right? Like, well, so I tried calling my provider. Uh, they didn't cover it. So I ended up going to this other place, 20 miles from my house. I had to wait for two hours. And, and like, they walk you through it and like they hold your hand and walk you through the journey. Yeah, I love uh, that. So I really enjoy that kind of content as, as opposed as uh, like opinion pieces, right? That from like uh, people that are not experts on, on the matter. But people yeah. that actually live something, that experiential content, I guess, that's something I really enjoy. And, 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 and I find that it, it translates really well for yep. threads, for, for Twitter threads. Too. Exactly. I was going to say it translates really well per platform too. Because if you think about like, like Instagram, that same article would have been, here's me going to do the coronavirus test or whatever. And mm -hmm. then like the process from getting in their car, mask, showing up, with any, any paperwork that they had to do, answering questions, like, it translates per platform too. So it's like finding, finding whatever your strength is. If you're a writer, write blogs. If you're good at like, I don't know, video, create video. So it's just finding like, what do you feel most comfortable with or what do you enjoy doing most in terms yeah. of creating content? How do you feel about TikTok? Um, I'm actually thinking about creating a TikTok account. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical in terms of like the, the engagement. I've read a couple of blogs and in the social media space, a lot of people are saying that like the engagement is a little bit boosted. So I, I don't know if the rumors are true, but yeah. That, that's, yeah. That's well, kind what of do you mean? And maybe for the people that are not familiar with these terms, what do you mean by engagement? Like, yeah. Uh, messages, sorry, yeah. <laughs> follows or no, 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 totally fine. Totally fine. So in terms of engagement, like uh, views. So one of the things about social media is it, 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 tr it triggers a part of your brain that uh, gives you like a jolt of excitement 
it gives you like a little bit of a boost. So when people see that they have likes and views and comments, it like makes them excited in that moment. It's, it's very short lived, but, but you, you kind of feel a certain way when you see it. So I've, I've read, and I'm not sure how true it is, that the numbers are boosted so that people feel more excited to use a platform and then therefore create even more content on it. And it's not an American based social media company. So we can't really audit that stuff and, and check it. Yeah. yeah. Whole, I think it's blowing up and I think it's really cool still the way that the way it, it filled a void that, that we didn't have in terms of social media when Vine died out, it's like that short formed, very quick, funny, lighthearted, almost like, almost like uh what is it like when you combine a bunch of different videos in one piece of like video content we didn't have anything that was specific to that and it obviously the fact that it's blowing up and people are using it a ton shows that it, it was needed yeah and i like the fact that uh, now there's a place for people that like to dance yeah uh, exactly. that, that, that is not a youtube dancing tutorial right yeah uh, it's just like hey i just want to do my art form and show it I also have heard it's really addicting, though. I mean, I don't use it too much, but my, my few friends that have used it, they're like, yo, I was on TikTok the other day for the first time. Next thing, it was like 3 a.m., and I didn't even know how. They're like, what the heck? Where did the time go? Um, yeah, yeah, they get you with the songs. The songs are catchy. Yeah, the songs are catchy. Yeah. It's it's insane, man. Like, I've been on YouTube, and I've seen uh, people that do videos on compilations of, oh, yeah, these are the top 100 TikTok songs. And it's a 40-minute video. Oh, and I, I and I heard the whole thing. <laughs> like I, I just started playing in the background while doing something else. And I'm like, oh, I remember that one. I remember. Then I listened to one. Oh, quick. I got to stop. I got to add this to my Spotify. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. So the, the songs, the songs are really are, are catchy. And, and I don't use it. I mean, I'm one of those people, I guess, uh, that, uh, again, it's based on the PRC. It's based on China. And I don't feel comfortable not knowing where my data is yeah, exactly. uh, so i just don't download it but i do appreciate the people that make wholesome content right uh, yeah. i have a friend that it's funny because in conexiones i mentioned that oh yeah tiktok if i was you i wouldn't download it and she's a friend and she reached out to me and she told me Hugo, i'm so sorry i downloaded tiktok <laughs> i'm like why are you saying sorry for I'm just, it's my opinion right like yeah. you're free to do whatever you want and then now you know, she's doing a mental health content. That's really cool. Yeah. So she's teaching people how to do affirmations mm -hmm. and how to journal and those things. Uh, so that's really cool, man. Like uh, if you want to influence a younger audience, yeah, meet them where they are. Exactly. Uh, so again, you can use tools any which way you want, but exactly. I think as long as you're using them in a positive way, uh, feel free. I agree 100%. So do you have, when you're using platforms for like social media to network, to build relationships with people, any key takeaways, any advice for folks that want to build uh, relationships that way? Usually when I'm building relationships online, it, it, uh, it tends to be like, if I'm seeking the relationship, it, it tends to be with like a, a group of people that are really aligned with either my background, my industry, or groups or online groups. So like if I'm adding random people, it's because they follow Latinos Who Tech on Instagram because I know that we, we have that common interest in terms of we wanna learn, we wanna grow, we're part of a community. If I'm adding people on LinkedIn, it's because we're either in the social media space or in the diversity space or in the tech space or in the marketing space. 
So I'm, I'm adding with the intent of, I want to, I, I want to, to see if you add value to my network and I want to add value to your network by sharing content. I'm not going to add you to, to, to get a job or, or anything like that. I just want to fill my network with people who are going to deliver content and, and deliver positivity and things that are going to, that are going to give me value. Cause I'm, I know I'm going to give you value by all the tons of content that I share on a daily basis, but I want it to be like both ways. Right. Right. And, and, and again, I find that a lot of people get anxious and especially like young professionals that yeah. way to go. Like, I don't, I don't know anybody at Facebook or Google or, well, but how many people do from university? Yeah. Right. Uh, so maybe you have friends that happen to go to UC Merced as you, mm -hmm. and you would add them up in a heartbeat because you have that commonality, right? Like, exactly. Uh, Things like being part of a, a first generation a college student group, SHEP, Society Hispanic Professional Engineers. Yep. You have uh, all kinds of affinity groups. Yeah. So I find that those are very powerful because again, I think like 80% of my friends are engineers. So whenever I want to spread out my, my network, I go, okay, let me go, let me go back to my affinity group for Latino or like first generation college students and you have accountants and civil servants and lawyers and all kinds of people. So yeah, I love uh, that. There's some power. There's a lot of power to them. Organizations like uh, Prospanica, Latinas in Tech, all those folks. I, I love them dearly. And all my favorite think, organizations. <laughs> yeah, man. Tequeria, like yeah. all those folks. Because again, it's it's the power of community can't be understated. Yeah, I agree. Awesome-ish. Anything else I should have asked you uh, that I didn't ask? Uh, anything else you'd like to add uh, about the book? Uh, this uh, is going to come out at the same time that the book is available. So go to Amazon, buy it right now. Say this, like anybody who picks up the book, just know that like I, I, I wrote it so intentionally in terms of every aspect of the book. Like when I, when I was writing it, I studied all the different like self-help books that I learned, that I learned from, not only like the key concept and the insights, which eventually made it into the book, but everything from the graphics, the layout, the length, all of that, like it all played a role into the book too. So like if the book isn't too long, it's like 250 pages. You can read it in the, in the Sunday afternoon. I included graphics, I included infographics. I don't know how many books include literally like OG infographics to help tell the story. And I guess if, if you're like for the, for the listeners that are, that are interested in learning a little bit more, I'll give two chapters of the book so that they can understand and get a taste for it. The first chapter is actually chapter one after the intro. And I think it's the most important chapter of all, because without that one, all of the other ones will still work, but they won't work as, as efficiently. And this is, this is the idea of whenever you and I hear about successful people, people often say, oh, that person is so self-aware. Ugo is successful because he's so self-aware. And the more that I started doing research about all these successful people, 930 hours of research I counted that, that I did. And I summed it up in like a book that you read in like five hours. But the, the, the one thing that I found about every single one of them is it, the, the term self-aware isn't the right term to use. You and I, when you look in the mirror, you are self-aware. You're aware of yourself. The actual term that you're trying to, to find is this idea of self-concept. So like the concept of yourself, Ugo, there are different aspects of it. There's your past self, 
there's your present self and there's your future self. Your past self, and in the book I walk through an exercise, is Ugo, who were you growing up? What were your things that you were really interested in? What did you hate doing? How did your, how did your upbringing affect you in your life in different aspects, whether that's emotionally, whether that's physically, whether that's where you live, where you grew up, the people you understood, the, the people you got to meet, the um, clubs and organizations, the activities, your school, all of that, analyze it. And then find the themes, write them down, jot this all down on a piece of paper. The next one is your present self. Currently you, what are you passionate about? What are you doing? Why do you do it? What makes you tick? How do you operate efficiently? What music gets you going? What, how do you get into the zone? All of that, write it all down. What are you passionate about? What do you hate doing? All that. And then write it down. And then the next one is like your future self. And it's like the future self is essentially who can you be in the future based on what you're most interested in now. So if you in five years want to be a best-selling author and an educator and a mentor to millions of people around the world, okay, well, why? Does your past self and current self, are all the themes aligned with that? Or are you doing it because of external forces and external like influences? Because once you look at your past self, you'll start to see key themes. Like I've always been interested about this. There's ever since I was a kid, I was always did this. When you ask your parents and your grandparents and your tios and your tias, you start to find all these themes. And then when you put all that together, now you have a holistic picture and a holistic view of who you are as an individual. And then the rest of the book outlines specific strategies and specific things that you can implement today in order to achieve your goals in the future. But without understanding who you are as an individual, the strategies won't be as effective as they need to be or as they can be, if that makes sense. And then and, and another one that I'll, that I'll quickly shout out is when I, when I studied all these people, I, I, I learned something about them, but I couldn't explain what it was. And I, I, I developed a term in the book and I, I note it and I'll be writing about it in like blogs and stuff, but it's a term that I, that I said is it's a compound learning. And there's two aspects to how every single successful person is a compound learner. The first aspect is they use everything in their life and different aspects of their life as like constant learning moments towards one key goal or specific key goals. And I'll explain exactly like how that played into my life with writing the book. My goal was to write a book, write an amazing book that changed lives. So every single day I was observing in my daily interactions at Snap with my friends, conversations on Instagram, just observing everything and trying to find anything that would help me align towards that goal. And one, one thing is like at Snap, there was somebody who started on as, at the company very new and it was like their first week. So they did a presentation on who they are. They did the entire presentation with Bitmojis, literally nice. like, like, and I was like, whoa, I, that, that's one of the best presentations I've ever seen in my life. Like it was a 20 minute presentation. It flew by. So then I thought eventually when the book launches, I'm going to have to do presentations. I'm going to do a similar style presentation than that to he did in terms of like fewer text, more storytelling, more personality. So it's like using so many different areas of your life and constantly keeping an eye and ear out for things that are going to help you achieve that goal. And the second part of compound learning is using every single moment that you can as a learning opportunity. So like these successful people, they read a ton of books. They listen to a lot of podcasts. They're always looking for an opportunity to better themselves and continue growing and continue learning. Whether that's finding dead space while you're washing the dishes to listen to a podcast, 
driving to your basketball practice and talking to your coach or I don't know, like watching YouTube videos on how to improve when, when you're at lunch or something like that. So they're very good at like continuously learning and that learning compounding on their previous learning and then compounding even more. And it just like exponentially grows. So that's two of the pieces of the book. And I hope that gives people a little bit of a taste. And I guess the last thing is it's extremely actionable. So it's not like pie in the sky. Here's how this person did it. And it's so far out of your purview because that person is not relatable. It's like, okay, here's how that person did it. Yes. Here's the strategy and the framework of how they did it. And here's how I did it with, with my specific examples. So I'm a lot more of a relatable person than Dwayne The Rock Johnson, even though he did come from humble beginnings and I broke down his story as well. But uh, yeah, man, I'm excited for people to read it. I think nice. I wrote it with very good intentions. I wrote it to help people that, that have often been like overlooked, underrepresented, not, not well-resourced enough. And, and, and I hope I, I summarized enough of the key points so that it's essentially 10 books in one. You get, you, get a, you get a taste about habit building, rituals and routines, why self-development, self-talk, ego, working deliberately, like all of these things I explain in the book. So it's kind of like, if you will, like, like the, the Bible of self-development. It's like mm-hmm. you get a taste of everything so you don't have to read 50 books, but at the same time, you can go deeper if you would like to, if one topic interests you. Definitely. And, and I think that it comes back to the aspect of personality and community mm-hmm. because great like we we love tim robbins and his content or tim ferris or what have you but then oh, i want to know who ismael verdusco what's his take on yeah. habit forming hey ismael how do you find mentors yeah. uh, so i rather again i will consume both but i find that listening to latino authors uh, learning from their experience it resonates at a personal level yep. that, uh, again, nothing against people from that have a different background. It's just that, again, like we need to seek uh, content that resonates with us. Yeah. Uh, and I love that you mentioned that less words and less, uh, less PowerPoint, you know, more storytelling. Yeah, more storytelling. More storytelling because people will forget the numbers or the dates or all those things, but they'll remember the good stories. Yeah. Cool, man. That's awesome. Well, Ish, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you? Find me anywhere online, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. It's just at Ish Verduzco, I-S-H-B-E-R-D-U-Z-C-O. And like Hugo mentioned, the book is going to be out on Amazon by the time you listen to this. So just type in Get Ish Done on Amazon and you can check it out. I'll put it on sale for like at least the first couple of weeks. So yeah enjoy let me know give me feedback what did you like what did you not like i'm always here for that awesome remember feedback is a gift feedback is a gift awesome thank you no problem thank you bro